0: Just a little over a month ago, the world of professional wrestling lost one of its greatest bad guys. And tonight on the Double Turn Podcast, we honor that man with a very, very special TDT Classic Series right here on the Double Turn Podcast, which starts right now. It's a weird new era here on tdt welcome everyone j man coming at you live and direct hope you're all having a fantastic day hope you're all having a fantastic week whatever it is wherever whenever it is that you're listening to us um not flying solo tonight but if you went ahead and listened to last week's podcast you will have known or you will know at this point uh boss ross is taking a bit of a break he's not going to be with us for the foreseeable future Um, he is still very much a part of the double term podcast, but he's just not, he he just needs some time off. And I told him do it son. And I fully supported that. He allowed me to go ahead and take six weeks off last summer, uh, for the birth of my son. And, uh, he's been incredibly committed to this podcast and he's one of my very good friends and, uh, I just wish him well. And I know that he's going to be supporting the podcast from afar and whenever he's ready to come back, He's ready to come back, and he's got an open seat at the table with an open mic, and he knows it. So I love you, brother. Hope you're listening to this. But for right now, over the next few weeks, I will be uh, in charge of hosting, and I'm going to have a round-robin, if you will, of uh, guest hosts coming on the show. Um, We've already got the next few lined up. But tonight, I, of course, have my good buddy and friend and regular guest on the Double Turn Podcast. Tom, the thunderous wizard is with me tonight. T-Dubs, what's happening, my brother?
1: Yeah, excited to be here, excited to celebrate the bad guy Scott Hall or Razor Ramon. As he was we, known in the World Wrestling Federation or later Entertainment, but yeah. uh he's an all-timer for me. I was a oh, huge absolutely. Scott Hall NWO fan and also a huge Razor Ramon fan. So
0: um you know he he is one of the all-time greats
1: and um it
0: was sad to see that we lost him just a little, little over a month ago to uh some really sad circumstances you know uh just a surgery really bad uh, bad side effects from surgery unfortunately and uh you know those these things happen but um to see that he was in such a great place um before his passing after his tumultuous past, as everybody knows, it's very well documented. And to see that he made a full comeback and just turned it all around. And, you know, it's just some things, you know, have to happen that way. But as long as he was happy and as long as he was able to enjoy his family and enjoy his friends and obviously the outpouring, we talked about it on the double turn uh just a few weeks ago, the, during the week that he passed, we, you know, Ross was so eloquent in his little speech that he gave um, at the beginning of the podcast, I wasn't unfortunately I was unfortunately not present for that show, but uh I was obviously paying my respects over social media. And he is one of the all-time greats, a two-time WWE Hall of Famer. He was inducted as Razor Ramon and then part of the 2020 COVID class, he was inducted along with Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, and six as part of the New World Order. Um, well deserved, obviously, one if one of the two greatest factions in the history of professional wrestling. Um you know, we, I, I think it's safe to say that every grouping that's turned heel over the last 25 years, the major influence has the, of that has been the new world order. Um, you look at bullet club, um, that's that, that is based off of the new world order. You look at the undisputed era based off the new world order. Um, DX was formed to essentially combat the new world order, um, Take it or leave it, whether or not who, who you think is the better of the groupings, doesn't matter. NWO is kind of what started it all. And the NWO wouldn't have started had it not been for the infamous, you all know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here promo given by Scott Hall. The moment that he showed up on the uh, in 1996 on Monday Nitro. So his influence knows no bounds. Um, not just from a promo perspective, promo and storytelling perspective, but you know he is one of the greatest big men of all time. And you forget that he's a big man because he was teamed up with Kevin Nash for basically his entire career. And Kevin Nash is a legit seven-footer. But people tend to forget that Scott Hall was like 6'8", two, 285. But I know that the word moves around like a cruiserweight gets thrown around so much, T-dubs. But after watching two of the respective three matches that we're going to be discussing tonight i don't think that it should be thrown around lightly when it comes to scott hall he really especially when he was before he showed up in wcw he really did move around like a cat in the ring it's it was really impressive actually
1: so yeah he can work a slow big guy style but uh, when given the right dance partner, obviously uh, he has his famous matches with one, two, three kid. He even has a couple of famous tag matches with him where their partners, uh, he he could rise to that occasion. And uh, certainly the match with Michaels, I guess we're going to go about them sequentially. That's the first on the list. He, he takes, he, he turns on the jets when he's got to. He really does. And actually, let's go ahead and
0: discuss that now. Um, we are going to be discussing uh, the infamous, or the actually, I shouldn't say infamous because obviously it comes across as a negative, the famous uh, ladder match between Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 10 at Madison Square Garden in New York City, one of the greatest matches in WWE history, um, the first ever televised WWE ladder match. Um. If I, yeah, it was the first ever televised one. They had one the year prior, um, but it wasn't televised. So that you know that 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 in and of itself is huge. And then um, this also came about because when the the day that Scott Hall passed, um, Tom put it out on Twitter and he tagged me in it because he knew that he, we, he obviously Tom has been with us on the show. A multiple, ta- multiple amount of times, he's the one guest that he's been on the most. So we appreciate his friendship and his camaraderie towards us, as well as everybody out on over on Hops and Box Office Flops. But he was like, hey, man, you guys need to do a TDT Classic Series on Scott Hall. And he mentioned that he would like to have seen uh, HBK versus Razor Ramon. And then he mentioned Scott Hall versus Sting in uh, 98. Uh, where, uh, what pay-per-view was that, T-Dubs? That was Uncensored. At Uncensored 98, thank you. And then, of course, the uh, um, War Games match at Fall Brawl 1996, which was the New World Order versus Team WCW. So that was Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, uh, Hulk Hogan, and a fourth member of their choosing versus Team WCW, which was Ric Flair, Lex Luger, Arn Anderson, and what was supposed to be Sting, and we'll obviously get into that story um very soon when we go ahead and discuss that match but um boy howdy we you see the best of scott hall in all three of these matches it's really really great i think that he is an underrated talent i'm not going to say underappreciated i think a lot of people out there a lot of fans appreciate who he was um what he brought to the game but i think that his wrestling abilities like i've just stated definitely get underlooked um Especially when he was in uh, in WCW, he was moving around a little bit slower, but still, his storytelling was just on par with anybody else in the game. Um, and his selling his selling ability, you know, I've gone on record saying Dolph Ziggler is the greatest seller of all time. Scott Hall is definitely top five. I would argue that Mister Perfect would be the greatest seller of all. Time. That is fair. I think that's fair. Listen, if you had to go ahead and come up with a top five best sellers of all time i think ziggy pop is in there i think scott hall is in there i think hbk is in there i will give you mr perfect and styles aj aj would probably be in that would probably round it up i would agree i'll give you aj yes i was gonna say rock but i think rock would be top 10 but i think aj gets it and by the way, Eddie too. I think Eddie should get on a nod there as well. But um, yeah, so it's going to be really great. Um, now, before we get to TDT's Classic Series on Scott Hall, uh, as we pay homage to him this evening, um, first of all, let's go ahead and, and rep our social medias. So first of all, you can go ahead and find the Double Turn Podcast on Instagram. Um, at the Double Turn Podcast. We are also on Twitter at uh, TDT Wrestling Pod. You can find the Double Turn Podcast anywhere you listen to any of your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, the Anchor app, we are all there. Um, you can go ahead and find me at the one and only jman 19, and you can find Ross at Ross, the real boss 85. And then he doesn't check his Twitter very much actually at all. But if you do want to tweet at him, you can find him at boss Ross, TDT. I'm going to continue to rep his social medias, even though he's not going to be here for the next few weeks, because he's still very much a part of this podcast. So I figured I'd go ahead and let you guys know. And then T dubs, please go ahead and tell us where it will tell everybody where they can go ahead and find hops because it is one of my favorite podcasts. You know, that.
1: Well, hops and box office flops. You can find it on all those lovely podcatchers that the J Man just mentioned. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter and Instagram at Hops and Bo Flops, and also on Facebook. Just search Hops and Box Office Flops. You can find myself on Twitter at Writer Tail K. And uh, if you love Nicolas Cage, we are celebrating the great Nick Cage in honor of his soon-to-be-released movie, The Unbearable Weight of. Uh, Massive Talent, which is apparently awesome, and I'm psyched that we're in the midst of the cage of <laughs> uh, we, we started with Willie's Wonderland. We've got Mandy coming up. Uh, we've got the Sorcerer's Apprentice, and then we're going to do the Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. It's very exciting, so check us out at Hops and Bale Flops, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and available on all those awesome podcatchers
0: fantastic yes and please go check out hops and box office flops i'm not kidding when i say this i do love that podcast uh the double turn has been very well represented on t on uh, on hops uh over the years uh we've now been on there a total of three times so t dubs we always appreciate you letting us come on and talk movies with you guys i've uh, you know as weird as this might sound there is a v- only one ever time I've ever wished that Gone in 60 Seconds ever flopped at the box office, just so you could be forced to cover it on Hops, but it obviously did not flop, and it is one of his most financially successful movies, but if I could try and persuade you one day to say, you know what, we'll cover Gone in 60 Seconds on Hops, I would adore you for the rest of my life. So maybe, maybe one day, but I I, I get it, it's totally not a flop, Um, but... If they want to make a sequel to Gone in 60 Seconds, if you're listening out there, Disney, contact him. Everybody's still alive. Angelina's still alive. Robert Duvall is still alive. Um, who else? Bill, um, not Giovanni Baxson. Ribisi. Oh, Giovanni Ribisi's still alive. Everybody's still alive. alive. Yeah. Um, uh, Delroy Lindo. Oh, yeah. Or, uh, Tim Lee, yeah. Timothy Oliphant for God's like, like, everybody's still alive. Make the sequel, God damn it! Anyways, had to get that out there. And, of course, um, most importantly, we are both part of the Wabam ENT family. So shout out to Wabam. Uh, please go check them out, uh, wabamentertainment.com. Uh, you can find Hops and Box Office Flops there. You can find the Double Turn Podcast on there. And uh, shout out to the whole crew. Now, T-Dubs, um, we saw a couple of massive things Happened tonight on AEW Dynamite Right now we are recording on a Wednesday night Instead of our typical Thursday But we're still dropping on a Friday Um, This will obviously be all over social media By the time that this podcast drops But still we wanted to go ahead and get our thoughts out there Tony Khan actually had an announcement this evening And my god For the first time in what feels like Years Tony Khan delivered an actual massive announcement (laughs) And I don't want that to come across rude I mean he did sign keith lee that was a big deal tony storm is a big deal um swerve strickland is a big deal
1: ring of honor is a pretty big
0: deal well ring of honor was huge so okay fair two out of the five were huge so but this one was was on the same level as the ring of honor perhaps even bigger I, i think it depends on whichever way you look at it but The action this time he got it right. The Forbidden Door definitely got blasted open tonight, big time. Because it was announced that AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling are holding an event together. What's the name of the event called?
1: I believe it's called The Forbidden Door. So,
0: (laughs) oh, you know, you're right, it is called The Forbidden Door, and it is happening June 26th, Sunday, June 26th, live on pay per view directly from the united center chicago illinois cm punks like that's his those are his favorite playing uh, play, that's his favorite playground obviously in chicago and uh this is huge um this is massive for both all elite wrestling and njpw and, and you know what's who it's even more massive for t-dubs pro wrestling fans this is because the for, this is If we thought that Mickey James showing up the rumble was the forbidden door being cracked open, Tony Khan just took a shotgun and blasted a hole through it.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've done a lot of cool stuff. They have uh, in the past with one offs, but like this is a this is a full pay per view. And this is, I guess, the closest thing since the the impact thing last year. Well, there's that, uh, but they, you know, the, the original pay-per-view event that they launched with, which had people from everywhere. Yeah. All in. Right. Yeah. Was, you know, like that was something I never thought I'd see in my life as a wrestling fan. And certainly this is hearkening back to uh, even like, you know, mid nineties WCW where they had guys constantly coming in from Mexico and Japan. Right. Uh, of course, You know they were like they were early card matches generally, but they were still there. So right,
0: and the same thing with the WWF doing a lot of stuff with ECW back in the late '90s before the merger before they bought them out. But you'd see guys like because RBD was on Monday Night on Raw's War on a few different occasions.
1: Um, Yeah, Taz
0: was on Raw's War on a few different occasions. So this is the first time since the late '90s that we've seen something of this magnitude. It's really really impressive. Yeah. Congratulations to Tony Khan and the whole crew and congratulations to New Japan on this because this is just massive for everybody involved. And, um, you know, we're seeing it. I mean, WWE, I, again, I talked about Mickey James showing up at the Rumble. That was really big. T- the impact, the knockout women's champion showed up on WWE soil. The, you know, if that doesn't send reverberations around the wrestling world, I don't know what does. And this is just another stratosphere Move in the professional wrestling landscape. And it's gonna be a ton of fun. I mean, this summer's gonna rock. I mean, you got D- double or nothing three is coming up, right? Uh don't, no, excuse me, double or nothing, double or nothing four. The fourth annual double or nothing is coming up from Vegas, Memorial Day weekend. Um, and then you know, Forbidden Door and WWE seems to be having fun with some of their storylines right now. RK Bro versus the Usos is gonna rule at backlash. unify the tag team titles gonna be a banger and a half so we're just we're seeing some stuff out there and then tonight last thing we i want to talk about before we go ahead and get into scott hall was uh well you know I'm i'm i can't help but smile but uh aew definitely definitely teased cm punk versus hangman adam page for the aew world championship and i am fangirling big time not fanboying fangirling at this point
1: yeah I it's pretty amazing uh i I was never like I think I even mentioned this the last time I was on here but I wasn't like this super big CM punk fan and since he's come back I've, I've grown to realize how much I should have appreciated him prior and I think this has been one of the great runs of his career and I have I i just feel like he's gonna get the belt. I feel like it's, it's undeniable. They're going to give him one big run with this belt. Yeah.
0: Um, I I would love to see it, you know, when he came back in August, um, it's not often that my eyes get teary, get teary eyed, um, with pro wrestling. It's, it, it tends to happen when wrestling really pulls at my heartstrings. Um, you know, from both a kayfabe standpoint, as well as a real standpoint, you know, I shed, I've talked about it on this podcast multiple times. I shed genuine tears when Eddie passed, when Benoit passed, like those were people that I looked up to some of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And when they passed, it broke my heart. You know, um, I genuinely felt a moment of pride and enjoyment. And um, I guess a settling in my professional wrestling fandom when i saw Shawn michaels and bret hart bury the hatchet in 2010 i'm sure you must have felt the exact same way bret hart is your favorite wrestler of all time i'm sure you must have had the biggest smile on your face when you saw those two shake hands and hug it out um Uh, that was just a beautiful moment that
1: whole series they did uh basically where they sat down i believe it was with jim ross right Mm -hmm. i I thought that was really great yeah Um, anything involving bret hart Exactly. Get me a little weepy. Of course. Uh I love Brett so so much. He's so great. Brett is the man. Brett but is yeah, the I man. Mean, I, I very rarely get incredibly amped, although when William Regal showed up at the last Oh game, yeah. I mean, you and I,
0: we, we freaked out, obviously. We lost your wife minds, was thinking about we nuts.
1: Usually uh, you know, wrestlers passing away young or wrestlers I really like growing up, that oh. gets me, but CM Punk coming back. I legit pop sitting in my living room. Yeah, that.
0: that's exactly you what know, I wanted to go I ahead and bring it back to. Tonight. Knew it was going to happen. Yes, like, but we knew it, it. was one of those interesting things, and not to go ahead and harp on the fact because we I know that we discussed this eight months ago on uh, here on TDT, and you and I have discussed it on so many different occasions. But it wasn't just. It was the fact that we knew, but we but like okay, we were told this is happening, and when the moment came we weren't sure if he was actually going to come out through those curtains. Uh, I mean, you kind of had an idea at one point when they decided to start Rampage with him opening the show and the whole United Center was chanting CM Punk and as soon as the riff hits from cult of personality, everybody just marked out. I I've, I've, think I've told you this multiple, maybe a couple times, but there's only two returns in the history of pro wrestling that have broken me mentally and emotionally in a good way and that is punk showing up this past summer and rocky coming back in eleven like those are the only two times i've had those oh my god like i can't I just you know what would say like genuine tears welling up was rock and punk nobody else has done it for me it's it's pretty amazing so to see this run of cm punk uh just go so brilliantly right now they have to strike while the iron is hot. Um, I'm sure that him and Hangman, if they do actually give them time, are going to put on, well, hell of a match. But I'm here to tell you right now, that crowd is going to be very, very pro CM Punk if they actually make this match happen. And because they're going to want to see it because it's been.
1: Yeah, I, I 10 years it's going to be tough. It's program. not like it's impossible for them not to also be rooting for Page. but the crowd will be hot for that match, which yes. is when we start talking about these Scott Hall matches and matches, I'm excited to talk about how hot the crowd were for these matches. For all three matches. They were incredible.
0: So, um, we're going to talk about that right now. Actually, that's a great transition T-dubs. Um, we are here to honor Scott Hall, AKA Razor Ramon, uh, a month after his passing, uh, passed away officially on March the 14th, 2022. Um, he was on, um, he was in a coma, um, And they pulled the plug after several hours. He was still fighting it, fighting it, fighting it. And people were saying, there's a chance. And I know that it was going around all over social media that if there was ever going to be the greatest kickout in the history of professional wrestling, it would be Scott Hall kicking out at two and three quarters. Um, And and that's not a joke. I'm saying that we wanted him to be able to pull through. And unfortunately, he just did not. And that happens and it's okay. And may he rest in peace. Um, most importantly, you know, we love him, we appreciate everything that he did for this business. Passed away at the age of 63. Um, and tonight we honor him by talking about three of his. And by the way, this is a there's a very large catalog of great Scott Hall matches and Razor Ramon matches, and these three just all so happen to be the ones that Tom picked out. And I said, yeah, I'm down to talk about them. Um, and we are going to go in uh, in in order of of time. Um, so we are going to go ahead and start with the all time great ladder match, which will be really interesting for me to discuss. Um, and this is Razor Ramon versus HBK Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 10 in the semi main event uh for the undisputed World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Championship. Um I stated this earlier this was the first ever um WWF televised ladder match um which was huge at the time. Um we had never as fans ever seen a ladder match before. Um, and And almost 30 years later, Tom, you watch this ladder match and you absolutely see the influence in the WWE-style ladder matches to this day. And by the way, you actually see it in most, if not all, ladder matches, regardless of the promotions. That's how much of an impact this match between Razor and HBK had on the style even today. Now, can you give us a little bit of a rundown about how we got to them having um, an undisputed Intercontinental Championship match because they both came in as the IC champs and they were going to unify the belts. So how did we get there? And then we'll go ahead and discuss the actual match
1: itself. So you're going to have to refresh my memory on why there was two belts.
0: Okay. Is this, um,
1: is this after Shawn Michaels got beat up in the parking lot and had to give up the belt?
0: That is an excellent question. I am going to bring that up because I
1: will do some um, quick background on on Razor Ramon as a character. Right? He started as a heel, he was immensely popular because he was super friggin' cool. All the kids looked up to him, but you know, just a year before this, he was wrestling Bret Hart for the championship as a heel at the Royal Rumble. Uh, but because he was so well-liked and he was undeniably cool. He became a face. And this is of course, after also the one, two, three kid stuff, all that. And so, you know, you, you just couldn't deny that that razor had that charisma. He worked as either face or heel, which is uh, pretty difficult for, for wrestlers, but he came into this match as the good guy, HBK, of course, the despicable heel this is still the razor remote or this is still the diesels his bodyguard days yep. uh, the sexy boy uh, he had a terrible haircut yeah.
0: <laughs> what did you say the joe exotic style my, yeah he had
1: but we're still <laughs> yeah so two, uh, a year away two years away really right from him transitioning to hero Shawn Michaels, who beats Bret Hart Correct. in the Iron Man yeah. match. The and Iron in Man fact, match happened
0: at, uh, in Anaheim at WrestleMania 12. So this was two years prior.
1: Never forget that he had won the Royal Rumble prior to that as well, and they decided he wasn't ready. They yes. didn't see he was going to work yet. And Which so he the lost that timer match. Very weird. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of the setup. And I, I really don't remember why there are two belts, but you do get the great visual. He has to hold the two belts. Yes, the the winner. And that's what I think maybe the most endearing image of Razor Ramon in WWE is him standing atop this ladder that's about to collapse with the two belts in his classic razor pose. Exactly.
0: So actually, so here's what happened. Um, In October of 93, there was a 20 man battle royal that was held. Um, the final two participants of said battle Royal would go ahead and face up for the vacated WWF intercontinental championships. So that was himself and Rick Martel. And the reason why the championship was vacated was because Shawn Michaels was stripped of the title due to quote unquote inactivity when, you know, in reality he'd actually been suspended at that time by the, by the WWF. Uh, yes. So yeah. when he came back to television, he had his own version of the belt and essentially they They, they feuded over who had the stronger claim, stronger claim, to the actual intercontinental title which actually makes sense was that
1: the rumored steroid abuse that he claims to this day uh he was not on steroids but vince insisted that he was and made him take time off that's i will be happy to go ahead and
0: look that up um while we go ahead and discuss the match uh, because it would make sense also um this would have been right before the sunny promo right yeah. Cause he wasn't feuding with Brett yet. So this was, listen, as yeah, much as was I love Shawn, Michaels, he
1: was out of control.
0: Yeah. As lo- yeah. as much as I love Shawn Michaels mid nineties into 97, Shawn Michaels into 98, I should say was wild. And I mean, you know, he was wild in the sense that, you know, we always give crap to Hulk Hogan for political control. Um, they weren't sure, the Shawn, people in the back weren't sure if Shawn Michaels was going to drop the WWF title to Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 14, for God's sake. For God's I, sake. And it yeah. was booked that way.
1: From what I, I mean, now this is Bret Hart's account. Sure. And also an interesting fact is Bret Hart originally pitched the latter match to Vince, only to have it snaked out from under him uh, by Michaels. Yikes. Uh, but yeah, he was kind of a petulant baby it in was. the back. Yeah. yeah and when brett beat him up he was well within uh he was on the right side of it put it that yeah, way yeah.
0: And, and by the way you know you mentioned that and i met and i go back to wrestlemania 14 the reason why Shawn michaels actually ended up doing the right thing and that was putting over stone cold steve austin was because undertaker literally took him out to the one of the hallways in the at, at the fleet center and told him if you don't do what you're supposed to do, I'm going to beat the holy hell out of you. That's ex- that's that's what I've read on multiple accounts. And, and wouldn't anybody then do what they were supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. If Mark Calloway comes up to you and threatens to beat the crap out of you for not doing your job, you're going to do your job. So, and lo and behold, him and Shawn Michaels have the utmost ex- respect for one another 20 some odd years later. They're very good friends. So clearly that relationship you know, never saw any sourness and there was a lot of respect in between the two, but back to Shawn Michaels and back to razor. Yeah. So this was during the time where Michaels was a little bit out of control. This was before DX. This was, but this was damn sure right in the middle of the click,
1: which is really important for us to mention. Well, we're only, you know, we're two years away from the infamous house show cage match.
0: Yes. So, um, the, what what do they call it? Um, the uh the garden incident yeah actually it happened at the garden yeah well where in 1996 kevin nash scott hall decided to go ahead and sign with wcw and it was the last time that we saw kevin nash scott hall Shawn michaels and trips all in the same ring and they obviously hugged it out it was a beautiful moment um trips actually went ahead and got to, in big trouble for that um the curtain call is what they called it right yep, yep. yeah um yeah trips got a big trouble for that he almost lost his push because of that incident
1: well he did he kind of got buried for a while well he did yeah
0: you're right yeah Yeah. it was actually quite messed up but you know
1: (sighs) poor poor triple h
0: he never got his push man
1: yeah these actually kind of like yeah then he spent a career burying other people uh hey (laughs) you know what she's (laughs) men. these don't matches you, actually don't uh,
0: the name of Paul Levesque, it. line up
1: pretty nicely because this is probably the peak of razor in wwe i mean he he yeah. still was successful he's a multi-time intercontinental champion but yeah. i think this is the match he's most remembered for uh, as we transition into these wcw matches the first one is going to be when wcw slash the nwo is at their peak yes. and the last one is pretty much when i think that creative juice is running out. Now it's not exactly true because we're still in the 82 weeks era. Yes. It
0: was right before. And when we actually discussed the, 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 the uncensored match um, it's, it's weeks, a couple of months before Goldberg actually ends up beating Hogan, but We'll get to it because it's yeah. Sting versus obviously versus Hall. So Hogan hadn't won the title back yet, but like we're right in the thick of that, um, which is interesting. But um, we talked about the reason why the um, title had been vacated by Shawn Michaels. Um, so they both had their all their their rightful claims to the titles. So they decided to book them into the first ever telefi- televised ladder match on pay per view at WrestleMania 10. At the Madison Square Garden. At the time, dude, this was the biggest WrestleMania of all time, the 10th annual WrestleMania. This is huge. This is massive. And I think when, it's it's one of the best ones they've ever done.
1: They have, yeah. This is the first time that,
0: that WrestleMania 10 has been brought up on the Double Turn podcast. Uh, on T Dub's second ever appearance, um, we definitely did the TDT Classic series of Brett versus Owen and Brett versus Owen Hart. Uh, at wrestlemania 10 which is considered by many perhaps even us as the greatest opener in the history of wrestlemania and there's some great openers mind you um triple h and daniel bryan included um but this match that match was absolutely extraordinary please go check that out we went ahead and released that in july of 2020 uh right around for t birthday actually I, uh, tom didn't we record that the day before your birthday because it was like fourth of july weekend you know yeah
1: Bret hart and i share the same birthday that's so. true <laughs> that is true
0: i forget about that
1: greatest greatest world champion ever i'm proud to share my birthday with him
0: well i mean i don't know about the greatest world champion but you should be proud to share your your birthday with him he is one of the greatest of all time he's he is canada's greatest professional wrestling gift i don't think that's a question um fight me on that um and i've come a long way because i used to go ahead and say it was actually chris jericho but no it's actually bret hart um this match boy howdy what an absolute banger and a half okay so i'm watching this match t-dubs and the one of the first things that really stood out to me was again we mentioned earlier at the beginning of the podcast scott hall's selling well i should say razor excuse me razor Ra- razor Ramon's selling um there's an enormous size difference between Shawn michaels and razor Ramon like i'd probably say a good six inches in between them scott hall is like six seven hbk is like six one you know he's hbk is on the quote-unquote smaller end for a wrestler um but just big enough that he was a main eventer because he was like six one but he was like 225 where everybody else is like six three six four 250 and up um but Shawn michaels was so gosh darn good along with brett hart that they were the that was the first time that we saw the quote-unquote smaller guys really get skyrocketed to the moon, right? Um, but there's this huge size difference, and what's interesting is you hit it on the head. Razor is the babyface in this match. Sean is the heel, but the smaller heel is the one that's beating the snot out of the bigger babyface. But Razor is so good at storytelling that, you actually believe what is happening, and because the match is no rules, no holds barred, it's a not, it's a ladder match. You know, Shawn Michaels was able to go ahead and take advantage of that stipulation, which was absolutely glorious. Um, this match has all the spots that we now know and love and have seen over the last thirty years, such as the push of the ladder, and then somebody getting tumbling down um the ladder shots um ladder splashes jumps off the ladder um it had it all and it was the first time that we'd ever seen it now there's a couple of detriments to this match t-dubs which you and i kind of texted about earlier today and we'll get into it now because the people that were calling this match was not jim ross and king but it was when Vinny mack was calling uh play by play before he brought in jr full-time and then went and was in the back for creative, right? Vince McMahon is not the greatest play-by-play person ever.
1: He's an abomination
0: in this match. So (laughs) I I think I can maybe defend him slightly, but not enough to go ahead and say it was worthy of a defense. I think genuinely. Now, here's the first thing. Him and King have not the greatest chemistry in the world. Like, it's fine, it's, it's, but it's not it's, J.R. and yeah. King. It's, no. it, it's not. Um, and the other thing is, and I genuinely believe this, I think that Vince McMahon and Jerry the King Lawler were trying to not break kayfabe in this match because they were genuinely mesmerized by the moves being done by both Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon, that they were kind of just like, awestruck at what was happening and they were having trouble calling the action. Do you feel that way or am I maybe li- reading a little bit too much? He-
1: into it? Here's the big problem. King was doing his typical shtick of being a heel announcer and Vince seems to understand the role of announcing as to just sound like you're um, the, the, the ringleader of a circus. He references the name WrestleMania maybe 30 times where else could you see this but Wrestlemania? He doesn't call the match. right? He just gushes over what he's seeing without describing it. Unless he's describing something so inane and stupid as Razor is now stepping over Shawn Michaels. And it's like, what? Yes. <laughs> Again, There's a, There is a monumental difference in the announcing quality between this match and Hall versus Sting, which is not nearly as good of a match but is called so, so much better.
0: So it's funny that you mentioned Shivani because, and I I think you may have listened to, to, because by the way, it's so hilarious that the one time that we're talking WCW matches on TDT's classic series, Ross isn't here, unfortunately, but we did cover so much of WCW 2000 over the last few weeks that it makes up for it. But the one thing that I've, praised WCW for which is very the only thing I'll praise them for right because everything else about WCW 2000 has absolutely stunk with the exception of that reboot episode wasn't nearly as bad as I expected it to be if you want to go ahead and catch that episode from last week go check it out now it's in the catalog obviously
1: is that with the new logo
0: no 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 no. Oh. this is the full-on reboot uh, well yes the the logo had already made its had, had already made its oh, presence man, that logo yeah <laughs> But this is um, the night that both Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff take over. Oh, this yeah. is the full on reboot where everybody got rid okay. of it. everybody was stripped of the titles and they're on their way to Spring Stampede. Um, oh, got it. Vince and, Russo, man. Vince Oof. Russo.
1: Let's put Judy Bagwell on a forklift. <laughs> <Vince Russo. laughs> Just nuisance of my existence. Anyways. Um
0: Well, now I lost my train of thought. Give me one second. Let me go ahead and bring it back. Um, What I was trying to get at is um, Tony Schiavone. That's what I was going to compliment him. One of the few things about WCW 2000 that I was really able to enjoy was Tony Schiavone's play calling. And and now to be fair, I've now been re-listening to Tony Schiavone for the last three years on AEW television. He's great. I think that I didn't appreciate him that much then because I was so enamored with Jr. and King with Cole and Taz, which I've gone ahead and said is one of my favorite pairings, um, in announcing, uh, in any professional wrestling setting of all time. Um, I feel like I may have been jaded by that and going back and listening to Shivani with Tanae and Shivani with Bobby, the brain and Shivani with Mark, uh, with Mark Madden and, um, the other gentleman, who uh, Steve uh, or scott um, he will come back to me. Um, doesn't matter. But listening to shit, Tony called WCW play calling in '99 and 2000. The man was ex- excellent, excellent, and he did it in such a different style to JR and King and Nicole and Taz that I was able to reappreciate that even more so. And having listened to all of that around the same time frame of what is mcmahon with king there is a huge gap in that play calling like a massive massive gap and i think the way that you explained it of mcmahon being a circus leader and just like saying oh my god where else can you see and by the way <sighs> vinnie mack has this weird voice that he does when he does play calling
1: the voice is unbearable it is uh when he says the boyhood dream has come true, that, that like literally ruins the moment when HBK wins the match. I,
0: I, I, yes, at, at WrestleMania 12. Yes. Also then, I was
1: pissed because I didn't want him to win. But well, obviously that that's call is <laughs> one of the worst in memory.
0: <laughs> that's hilarious. But here's the weird thing. His voice it, it goes into his raspy into his normal raspiness, but he tries to hold back on it. So for example, let me let me use that match that you just discussed of HBK versus Bret Hart at 12 as a perfect example, you know, not only is that match recognized as one of the greatest matches of all time in WrestleMania history and in WWE lore, but the entrance of Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 12. And I know we're discussing WrestleMania 10, but we've we got to talk Vinnie Mack on commentary for a second. So bear with us. But when Shawn Michaels, everybody remembers, obviously when Shawn Michaels comes down the zip line into the ring, like that's an iconic entrance. I, I I don't think that needs to be questioned or debated. But you hear Vinnie Mac break, K, not break Fabe excuse me, but break his usual vo- go into his voice of like, he's like, oh my God, what a rat. And you hear the rat's penis. I'm like, oh, there's a Vincent McMahon. There's the Vinnie Mac I know. But then he goes back to this like, this weird, just, He's it's, just ha- handing terrible. it up. He's handing up his voice. And it's just like, ha- had it been that we listened to Vince McMahon in his normal voice, and had he just instead of trying to really put out what is the WrestleMania to us and just actually call the action and get us invested in the story, I think I would have appreciated his commentary much better. I will say that regardless of his crappy commentary, for once, crappy commentary doesn't take away from the greatness that's being pers- that's being given to us at, in the ring. Would you agree?
1: No, it doesn't. It doesn't really. It's it's, it's That is just, just a critique. To look back on, it's distracting. And plus, the king doesn't call him out nearly enough. Like, Mr. Perfect was a great foil to him uh-huh. because he'd comment on how big of a cornball he was, which is what the voice is supposed to be conveying him as. Like, he's the face announcer. You're supposed to like Vince but he's a cornball. Uh, but no, I mean, obviously I've seen this match many, many times. I had a VHS of greatest WrestleMania matches and this was on there and, uh, Hulk Andre was on there and I believe Bret Hart and Roddy Piper was on there when Bret Hart won the ti- uh, intercontinental title. Uh, you know, I, I remember watching something similar
0: to that for the celebration of the 20th anniversary of WrestleMania. Um, They did a special hosted by Ric Flair where it was the 10 greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. And HBK versus Razor Ramon at WrestleMania 10 was made like the four spot.
1: It should, because uh, this is a great ladder match. I love that there's only one ladder. Yes, I think that ladder matches have become uh, way too spot dependent.
0: And this match
1: tells a really good story. Of Razor actually getting the worst of many of the exchanges and getting the ladder used against him early and often shows and the creativity of Hbk
0: as well. Like mega bumps, uh, yeah. he
1: he goes over the top onto the concrete and for a big guy, that's that's a tough bump. Yep. Um, you get Hbk riding the ladder down. That is such a freaking
0: awesome spot. Like if you were watching that in 1994, you would have been like,
1: holy bleep! But you're the crowd is really in Razor's corner. Yes, and there's a lot of good close calls. Uh, there's a great spot where I mean, now remember, there's one ladder. Yeah, and this ladder is getting destroyed like it's barely standing by the end of this match. But there's a spot where he essentially superplexes him off the ladder. Now, as a fan, you think like, this is probably where the, the end of the match was supposed to be, but the ladder collapses, uh-huh. and then they carry on for another five to 10 minutes with even bigger spots and more close calls before he finally gets it. And it's, it's a great moment. As I said, it's a, it's an image that's like burned into my brain of him standing on the ladder with the two belts. Um, That's how you create a star. And not only did he create
0: a star, they created two stars. Like as if, you know, Hey, The whole point isn't just to get over Razor, but we're going to damn sure try and get over Shawn Michaels here too. And this is like, you could honestly say that this is the start of what became Shawn Michaels known as Mr. WrestleMania. Like easy. Yeah,
1: this is, this is the beginning.
0: Um, It's HBK's coming out party in a way.
1: Yeah. I know, you know, he and Razor do this again. Yeah. At SummerSlam, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is, I mean, he was going to be a main event star. He's like right in there. Uh, I, I do believe Scott Hall's, it's really a huge missed opportunity that he never got the big belt. He uh-huh. just fell into a really weird time and place where, uh, and we'll we'll talk about this when we get to WCW, but he was always being, he was always the coolest guy there, but he was in the shadow of somebody, he was not only a better worker than, but he was better talker than et cetera. And so on. So.
0: No, I couldn't agree with you more before we move on to a uh, fall brawl here. I want to ask you, um, what was, there's some great nuances to this match. Um, you know, you talked about how like they, they went five, 10 minutes additional after that ladder nearly breaks and you're right, because there's one point that the, um, the railing that's in the middle of the ladder, which hold allows you to go ahead and fold it up, it essentially snaps at one point. I'm like, Razor's a big dude. Like, how is this ladder supposed to hold 270 pounds? You yeah, know? and
1: it's it's not standing very well. No, and, it's not. And mind you, this is before they do the spot where Michaels gets crouched on the ropes. But, which so by he, the way, he's <laughs> I want to get to that. Delicate ladder. Yeah. that seemingly gonna collapse, right So
0: th- that actually goes b- bodes well to what I was wanting to mention about these st- the, the nuances in this story. Um, there's a move that razor does the hVk on the outside. It's the typical of like you know got him up by the legs and then you catapult it's a, it's the catapult move where you go ahead and catapult somebody face first into the, either the ring post or into the ring apron. And in this case, Razor does it to HBK straight right into the ladder. And then HBK, then as he's falling down, is still hanging onto the ladder and he falls on his back and the ladder falls on top of him. And I'm just like, that is just the perfect extra getting the snot, being out of you type thing, type scenario.
1: Right. And no, they really implemented the ladder well. And yes, again, they this did. Is before it became like just craziness. We've mm-hmm. got six ladders in the ring and this that and the other like they never did something twice really yes they they were able to make every spot with the ladder feel impactful and interesting
0: yep and then the ending sequence where you talked about hbk getting crotched um it, it was so creative now when you watch it you're like okay you know you, perp- you you see hbk needed to make it happen but it still made sense you know cuz obviously as as the ladder is falling hbk purposely puts his leg out so he can go ahead and land on the rope exactly where he needs to land and then you know but the creative part about it is how he makes sure that his leg is on is is wrapped around but the really important thing was that you notice that Shawn Michaels made sure not to go ahead and hurt himself in any way, shape, or form. It was just so perfectly done. And then he gets out, right? He gets his leg out, but then his arm is stuck and he still can't reach Razor. And Rachel's able to go ahead and climb up and grab the two titles. And of course, as you mentioned at the beginning, he's able to go ahead and hold up both titles and do his iconic pose and still somehow, some way, the latter didn't give way, thank God. Um, but it was, it was an incredible sequence to end the match. It was an incredible match. I was wondering to myself if I was going to be able to appreciate it 30 years later. That was my that was my fear, Tom. Whether or not I could appreciate it after we've seen some crazy ladder matches, not just in WWE, but in AEW as well and in other, other companies and other promotions. And you can. You can because it was so far ahead of its time. That's the thing. Razor and HBK were so far ahead of their time in the way that they presented this match to the fans that there's no way that it could go ahead and lose its
1: luster 30 years later. Now it's it still worked for me, but yeah, that said, Owen versus Brett is still the better match. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, it's crazy. We got two iconic matches in one night at a WrestleMania, which. It's crazy to think about. Like, yeah, we see iconic matches all the time, but like in 1994, we, we hey, you got Brett versus Owen, and you're like, there's no way that Brett versus Owen can get outdone or anybody can come close. And then Razor and Shawn Michaels come and get really freaking close. It's, it's you, absolutely yeah, amazing.
1: You, uh, you get the Lex Express officially running out of gas because <laughs> they realize, like, <laughs> this isn't going to work. And I like Lex Luger, and I'm going to be very complimentary of him in just a second. Yeah. Uh, uh, but then you get the, I think one of the greatest WrestleMania moments ever, which is Owen Hart who had beaten his brother two and a half hours before looking disgusted as every face wrestler from the back carries Brett on their shoulders as he's just conquered Yokozuna. It is,
0: it is absolute monumentally wonderful done, uh, storytelling, uh, to the highest order. Um, and I, I agree with you 100%, but that is, um, That is WrestleMania 10, the ladder match between Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon for the undisputed WWF Intercontinental Championship. It is an absolute banger and a half. If you have not watched it, please do so. You are going to appreciate it. And you're gonna be like, this is why I love ladder matches because of that respective match right there. That's why you were able to go ahead and appreciate the TLC matches between the Hardys and Edge and Christian and the Dudleys. any amazing ladder match that you've seen over the last like 20 years, all the money in the bank ladder matches, um, any of the ladder matches that the bucks have put on any crazy stunts that Jeff Hardy has done off the ladder. You're able to appreciate it because of Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. And it's pretty darn spectacular. So thank you razor for an iconic match. Let's move on to our next match on the list that we have tonight. Tom, you asked me to go ahead and pick between a, uh, war games and then it was between two it was between war games and something else i'm going to go ahead and look it up right now so it was, it was harlem heat
1: ah yes thank you versus the outsiders at halloween havoc 97 now i love harlem heat one of my favorite tag teams of all time booker t one of my favorite wrestlers of all time yep so i figured that that was on a list that i saw of a best scott hall matches and i i probably watched it at the time because i used i was a wcw diehard i ordered I forced my parents to buy all those pay-per-views after Halloween, or after Bash at the Beach 96, which is what leads us into Fall Brawl 96, which is War Games, Team WCW versus Team NWO. Hold
0: on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's not War Games. It's War, War Games. Game. Yeah. Um,
1: now, this match is quite dated, listeners. Uh, the WCW War Games cage, yes, even though Dusty created this uh, event is not the best cage it's incredibly short <laughs> it's at one point kevin nash jack Knives, lex luger and his leg nearly gets caught in the top <laughs> but i mean I'm, it's kicking the top of the cage that's how short the cage is but this was the peak of the nwo this is mere months after hogan leg drops savage and betrays wcw Hollywood Hulk Hogan is at his peak of villainhood. Yep. He was despised. He was hated. He was still very much over as a heel. And the outsiders, of course, were incredibly over. And also there's a lot of intrigue in this match. The NWO, this is also when the storytelling for that faction was really good. Uh, Had it came, fire. It was fire. Yeah. Had, had basically fooled the WCW team into thinking Sting had betrayed them. There's, you've got that, uh, going on you've got the mystery of who the nwo's fourth partner will be they think it's going to be Sting, and of course it turns out it's fake Sting. but we'll get there uh this was the height of it there was no better time to me as a a young wrestling fan than the peak of NWO, nwo the the not knowing whether or not these guys were truly invaders seeking to destroy wcw you know like you just didn't know you were a kid. So I agree. I, I was loving every minute of it. And this match holds up really well. I think it has a great moments, but what are your thoughts? So here's my first thought. That, okay, you, you
0: we, we've already alluded to it, and I forgot to bring this up right now when we talked about Razor versus HBK, so I'm going to go ahead and bring them both in at the same time. The crowds for both of these matches are, like, is there anything more than white hot like it's molten lava
1: hot yeah um so it's not just me listeners who thought that the nwo was truly there to destroy wcw because it was everybody every who wins in salem north carolina time the team wcw is winning that place is losing its mind
0: i've never seen lex luger more over in my life and that includes when he beats the when he beats Hulk Hogan for the WCW title.
1: Yeah, this is like any War Games match, this is very dependent on each wrestler getting their big moment. Now, Huge. not so much for the NWO, this is how well WCW was still being booked in '96. The NWO's moments only come when they outnumber the WCW wrestlers, they don't get the individual moments where they clean house it's only when they've got the numbers advantage mm-hmm. because inherently they're cowards and they're not as tough as the wcw guys yep. so when we say that lex luger gets the biggest pop of his life i'm not kidding and all <laughs> it takes is a couple of clotheslines and a, and couple, a couple of, of punches elbows yeah and people are going nuts S- um Arn Anderson doesn't get as many moments. He he's basically the but punching But he hits the double A spinebuster and crowd spine with bananas. But when Ric Flair comes in and essentially is taking on the entire NWO and doing every dirty trick in the book, yep, it is a fire two minutes of Flair. Yes, it, it it really is. And by the way, when
0: st- I mean we'll get to Sting in a second, but I'm so glad you mentioned that. Here's what was so refreshing about the two crowds at WrestleMania 10 and at Fall Brawl 1996, because they're both very similar, uh, Tom. And here's the, here, here's the similarity. So this was 1994 and 1996, where the crowd is just cheering, making noise, just enthusiastic about the action that's happening inside the ring. Uh, they're so invested in the storyline. It is the crowd not trying to one up the match. They're not the trying to take over. They're not trying to go ahead and be the, the you know, take away from what's going on in the ring. They are just loving what's happening. There's no chance. It's, it's yeah. just cheers. It's and the were,
1: crowd before
0: internet smart marks. Exactly. Exactly. And what was really great was, I don't know about you, dude. So I'm watching the ladder match and I'm watching the war games match. And there were multiple moments where I wanted to go ahead and have somebody start a, this is awesome chant, And then I remembered, Oh, this is 1994 and 1996. That chant didn't exist
1: yet. Yeah. So here's, (laughs) yeah. Here's my favorite, my absolute favorite part of the the crowd of, of the two matches in war games. When fake sting comes in as the fourth man for the NWO, And he starts hitting all the sting moves, the stinger splash. He does all the stuff. He's doing the, he's pounding the chest. He's doing the woo. The crowd is dead. They're like in shock. It happened. He betrayed them. Mr. WCW. And then when real sting comes out, forget it. You couldn't. I mean, I mean, the
0: roof blew off the place. Yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me say this right now. The person that portrayed sting uh, the, the fake sting in this match i hope he got a payday because i'm not gonna lie to you i'm watching it on my phone and you know you know wcw footage and old wwf footage is very grainy even even though we're watching it in, in the best high def we can watch it in, right but for a hot second i thought it, 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 it he looked a lot like sting that's the first thing and second of all, boy, howdy, is he getting the Sting mannerisms and the Sting moves down to perfection. Am I am I wrong in that assessment? Or what, did you notice that? He too? does
1: a really good job. He and does it, a really good job. Sting. And in fact, they were so smart about it, right? Like they yeah. do this backstage segment where Sting is begging Team WCW to like. But he's listen got the reason. Can, he's got his.
0: But they're shooting the from behind him.
1: Yeah. So when this guy comes out, he, look, he has a very similar
0: build. He does. Uh, his hair was nearly the exact same length. The face paint covered his face so incredibly well. And again, he's doing the stinger splash and all of stings moves to absolute perfection.
1: Well, and he 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 does a tap luger. Luger passes out. Like the valiant effort of WCW comes to an end as Luger passes out from pain in the scorpion death lock, a fake sting.
0: It's it's quite amazing. Now, you talked, you alluded to the fact that Sting does show up in this match. So Sting does end up being the f- actual fourth member for Team WCW. He comes in, he cleans house, like beats the holy hell out of Hogan, holy hell out of Nash, the holy hell out of Flair, or excuse me, out, out of uh, Hall, excuse me. Um, and then he looks at Team WCW. And they're like, oh, my God, we were wrong this entire time. We're so sorry. And then he's like, you know what? You guys didn't trust me now. Fine. I'm leaving, and I don't want to be a part of you guys anymore. And now T-Dubs, as you probably might remember, and I talked about this with Ross yesterday because I called him. I was like, yo, bro, I just rewatched Fall Brawl 1996, War Games, WCW versus NWO. What an absolute banger of a match. Um, and by the way, I'd like to go ahead and get your thoughts as, uh, between War Games now and War Games then in a second. But um, this is the beginning of Sting going black, black and white because he was so done with not being trusted by WCW that a few weeks later, Sting gives his back-to-the-camera promo and then leaves the WCW for several months. And then throughout 1997, you start seeing Sting appear in the Raptors uh, you know, doing his small little appearances. And then of course he has the iconic moment of, he comes down and saves team WCW and DDP from the NWO and starts beating the Holy hell out of everybody with this bat. And then of course you get star 1997 and he's a WCW champion. And it's, and it's just an iconic year for WCW for the NWO and for staying all together. It's pretty amazing. But this was the catalyst to that. This, this, him not getting trusted by flair and double a and by Luger. And it's just such perfect storytelling, not just on the NWO and them being built as the force that they were, they were being cowards, but they outsmarted everybody and they outnumbered everyone when they could. But then it's perfect babyface storytelling about the cracks in the foundation about the NWO. How do I put this planting seeds in everyone's head so badly that everybody started turning against one another. It's
1: just beautiful storytelling everywhere in between. It's it's primo heel work from the NWO. 100%. And Hall does a lot of great selling in this match, but oh he he's
0: awesome. Him and 88, they start the match and again, you know, I talked about the quickness of Razor Ramon in the HBK match. He's really quick in this match too, but because he's a heel, and not to mention he's wrestling a slower than na- now slower and out of his prime, Arn Anderson, but he's still selling so well and still picking up the pace when he needs to. And
1: it's just really well done. It's uh this is some of my favorite heel work ever early in W.O. And after this match and and the, the ring comes up and Luger's crawling back in pain and they assault him. And then the macho man comes out and he, beat the snot out of him and spray paint Miss Elizabeth Elizabeth and spray paint him. And you've got Hogan spitting on Miss Elizabeth. You've got Hogan looking into the camera and doing the love it or hate it. It's the best thing going. And the giant comes out,
0: helps out the NWO. He's like, hey, man, I'll take that movie deal or whatever that was. I was like, oh, my God, this is such great deal work.
1: uh, You got Kevin Nash and them scaring off the, the announcers. And then Kevin Nash saying like, well, it's Tim Salem. That looks like it's it for tonight. And it is this is before it got out of hand and it was still the core group and it was amazing stuff. It's just amazing. It's, it's beautiful, beautiful storytelling all together. So now let me
0: get your thoughts on war games here for a second, because this is, you know, for those of you who don't know, war games is actually it originated in world championship wrestling. Is that right, Tom?
1: Well, Dusty created it and did he don't when when they were in NWA? Yeah. Okay, cool. So it was something that was carried over, and this is a top on the cage. So does it? Did it have a top on the cage? No, no, it was yeah. actually open. And and that's what I'm saying. Like this cage, is but kind but there of has really been short. war
0: games where they did cover it because yeah. there's a later war games in like '97 and in '98. Yeah, that the top was in there. That it was more hell in a cell like than it was a steel yeah. cage.
1: Um. But yeah. This, this one, is it's comically short. The roof is very, very small. And there's one with the four horsemen versus the NWO2 that I watched not that long ago where, hmm. I mean, literally Steve Mongo McMichael's main form of offense is just uh, throwing people into the top of the cage. Like doing the only that, thing he ever uh, did right. Like the Cesaro. Well, you know, Mongo, I hope you're all right, but he's suffering from ALS. I don't know if any of your listeners are familiar, but Ric Flair visits him a lot. and He's he's not long for he's oh. in bad shape. So oh, if you, you know, well now
0: I kind of feel bad for yeah. what I just said, because, but well, like I wrestle, mean, wrestle box entire, goes ahead and put, they used to yeah. do a lot of Mongo Mondays or whatever it was.
1: Cause he was, he's a rough pro wrestler. I mean, what do you expect? He rough, started yeah. at mid forties and true, but yeah, he's not doing so well. So well,
0: I, I, I will, if you know, we do wish him the best. I, I don't want to come across as a total dick or anything like that. I was just trying to be funny, but you know, What's interesting was the way that Michael Buffer read out the rules of this war game, it sounded convoluted. But then when you see what's happening, you're like, oh, okay, this makes yeah, sense.
1: But it's like typical WCW where they overthink the match. Yes. Which is when we get into the prelude of our next match. It's like, oh, yeah, that gimmick, that was terrible.
0: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: So they always would overthink things.
0: Exactly. And even the way that Michael Buffer reads out the introductions, he's like, it's Team WCW. It'll be Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, and Lex Luger, Luger, and a mystery partner. And then they're like, Team NWO, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and the man who betrayed WCW and stabbed them in the heart. Hollywood, oh I'm like, oh my god! Did you have to read out that harp that part? Now, Was that as, necessary? Yeah,
1: <laughs> as much as I've been praising 1996 WCW, you, you still get like such tomfoolery as Lex Luger entering 20 seconds too early. Uh, I that, noticed that that promo by Buffer, where which is so far over the top, and you know they paid him way too much for it. <laughs> Uh, but at least he did the let's get
0: ready to rumble and that's all that matters. Right? Yeah.
1: I mean, he was in basically most of those pay-per-views back then, but he was, he I was mean, cutting a dude a million dollar check to just say, let's get ready to rumble. That's incredible.
0: You know, what is Michael Buffer's net worth? Because I mean, the guy has been around for like 40 years.
1: Oh, he's got a He's like Scrooge McDuck at this point.
0: Yeah. He's rolling in the dough. And then oh, unbelievable. Anyways, uh, it this is a very short war games match do you think that it was hurt by not having uh, a pinfall finish because obviously as they stated as Michael Buffer explains the match can only be won by your by the other team either saying that they quit or by submission um no pinfall and obviously now the NXT war games matches we have seen that they can be won by pinfall
1: what is your preference Oh yeah, there should have been the pinfall option. I, I don't mind it that it's either you quit or you tap out. Uh-huh. But they didn't ask them very you know, like when they do I quit matches and yep. WWE, like they force them to ask, but that that was pretty much non-existent. You also had the intrigue of the ending gets a little confusing because Nick Patrick, I think at this time is like the heel referee, kind of, or at least he's assumed to be right? Like they kind of thought Bryce Remsberg would be for a while. Like people are like, I bet you, he turns out to be like in the bag for the young bucks, but like Nick Patrick was literally in the bag for the NWO at some point. And you could hear that in the commentary. Like they don't trust him. He asked Arn Anderson once at like this really kind of, you know, harmless moment if he gives up, but he doesn't do it consistently throughout the match. So if that's the gimmick that kind of ruins it, plus there's, I mean, he's not even asking Hulk Hogan when he's stuck in the figure four for, you know, a minute and a half. So, yeah,
0: yeah that's kind it,
1: of the missing element. But, I mean, the crowd is just so into it that I don't really care. They didn't care. Like, that's the other thing. This is one of those few
0: times the crowd is so genuinely hot that you just don't care because, like, they're so into it and so are you. Um, and I would even say, oh, well – they should have actually had more weapons, but this was a time during WCW where weapons weren't still that big a thing yet in 19, in 1996. But as I wouldn't have minded it, it really would have given that war games, like this will change your life type situation if they allowed weapons. Um, and I'm sure that they would have allowed it, but had they actually taken advantage of that stipulation, I think it could have actually helped, but it was again, a refreshing sight that the only way that you were really getting hurt was by getting blasted by the steel cage so i was actually okay with that
1: yeah no and there was a lot of uh good stuff into the cage yes there was uh i mean luger is such a
0: beast he was just like body pressing everybody and their mother um dude luger and-
1: was good Good get- 96 luger's good
0: 96 Luger was like probably the best. 96 and 97 is probably the best version of Luger, and then from there on out, he just slows down. I mean, I've again yeah. not to go ahead and be a broken record, but I've talked about multiple times of Lex Luger in WCW 2000 how goddamn slow he looks. Like his physique is unbelievable, but he had so many injuries, and his back was completely torn at that point. Like he couldn't do he he was nowhere near as athletic as he was just three years prior. Um, And it's just, it's unfortunate. I mean, it happens in pro wrestling, but I am glad that in this war games, we got to see Lex Luger in his absolute prime and the crowd feeding off his energy and him feeding off theirs. Like that was, that was, Something that I actually appreciate having watched on television in yeah. hindsight, so I do appreciate that. But what an absolute fun match to watch! Uh, last match of the evening, uh, Scott Hall n- still part of the NWO, but this is this is mid 1998, early 1998. Um, the NWO did its infamous first breakup, where it split into two factions. Uh, NWO Hollywood, which is led by Hulk Hogan, and NWO Red and Black, also known as the Wolf Pack, which is led by Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. T-Dubs, this is where the NWO started to get unnecessarily complicated. Can you kind of explain to me what the hell is going on here before we get to Sting versus Scott Hall for the WCW title, which did not main event on Censored 98? So, yeah, it's a cage match, right? The cage match, yes, between Macho Man and Hulkster is what yeah. main events that show.
1: Uh, so, yeah, the NWO is there's fishers to say the least, and throughout the match, the commentary hints at that if Scott Hall wins, what's going to happen with him and Hogan? And this is where it's pretty clear to me. And as I mentioned earlier, Scott Hall is a better talker, he's a better wrestler, and Nash better talker. I guess wrestling is disputable, but he's probably a better wrestler than Hulk Hogan. Um, Hulk Hogan is one of the most limited wrestlers, as much as I loved him as a child. yeah, Um, It's really clear to me that Hogan should have been out of the NWO by this point and working his way back to some sort of redemption, uh, because Scott Hall gets this match, but as a viewer, you know he can't win. Especially because you just know it's not going to happen. Uh, now Scott Hall got the title shot by winning uh, World War Three, which if you aren't, if you don't remember what World War Three was, essentially it was a sixty-man, not over the top rope battle royal with three rings. It was their version of the Royal Rumble. It is, and when I say they overthink gimmicks, World War Three almost always sucked.
0: I mean, that's just terrible. <laughs>
1: I don't remember a World War Three that entertained me. Because, one, 60 wrestlers, when. That's you a down, lot. You I mean, come to realize it. WCW did not have 60 wrestlers you wanted listen, to see. Listen, we've
0: seen a 40 man Royal Rumble, and we saw the 50 man greatest Royal Rumble that took place in Saudi.
1: And yeah, you start. That's you, a lot of people, dude. You start digging deep into the well of WCW talent. <laughs> So let at me ask 60. you this: With
0: World War Three, was it more Battle Royal than it was Royal Rumble? So, like, was everybody in the ring at the same time?
1: Yeah, I believe they all started in the ring. At the same oh time. my god, dude!
0: Sixty dudes in the ring in three in three rings.
1: It's just a hot mess. That man. Yikes, match. dude! It's terrible. So of course he wins with help from the NWO, and they mentioned that in the match. But you know, this is his big shot, and it's a good match. He sells incredibly well for Sting. There's a moment that Sting punches him so hard he gets knocked under the ropes and he catches himself by just his feet. And it's a great, like, oh, yes, you're the heel. Like, when push comes to shove, you you can't beat this guy, really. Like, he's so much tougher than you. But Dusty Rhodes is there doing dusty things because, yes, Dusty Rhodes is part of the NWO, even though uh, you'll notice in the commentary to Fall Brawl, he's very anti-NWO also miss elizabeth was in the nwo but comes to protect the macho man but then they're both later in the nwo so it's it's really
0: odd it's it's really odd and i remember because i read along and i also remember this just because i i remember things the world tag team titles are split between the wolf pack and hollywood
1: yeah it's
0: But it it became quite a mess. It just sounds so convoluted.
1: As we said, they were still winning. And at this point, the NWO against pretty much anybody but Sting is massively over. Yes. They're they are being cheered as stone cold. Steve Austin is being cheered. Like they're technically not the good guys, but they're cheered as the good guys. Yeah. And but as I said, like Hall's in this match, and he deserved to be in this match. And I enjoyed it quite a bit, especially the Dusty stuff. He's he's delightfully good at being a bad guy.
0: Yeah, the, 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 the him coming in and hitting a bionic elbow behind the referee's back, which, by the way, I can appreciate the storytelling regarding the referee. I'll get to that in a second. But, I mean, he, <laughs> as if the referee wasn't going to feel the ring shake by Dusty Rhodes dropping yes. his elbow on Sting. Like, dusty Rhodes is moving
1: like- around on his tippy toes like he's a cat.
0: <laughs> it's, it's great. It's hilarious. I love Dusty. May he rest in peace, obviously. Um it's 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 unbelievable. And it's and he does it twice. But the one thing that I do want to get at was the fact that um when I was watching the match and Tony Shavani and um it's it, Shivani Brain. This is Shavani the and the professor mike today mike today yes who i actually enjoyed their their commentary together um i i love shivani and today and i i love he's And awesome. i
1: know he he would later say like he really really regretted uh his he didn't like his years in wcw or look uh, fondly on them but i he had some good good years there i think well, that was brilliant. more like hey he's yeah. back with wwe he's got to say what he's got to say but I always liked uh, Bobby the Brain. Of course, he's one of my favorite wrestling personalities ever. So there's that. But
0: um, Bobby the Brain Heenan is probably the second greatest manager of all time.
1: Probably, yeah.
0: I'll, I'll say second. Who's I mean, first? Hey, slick? No, nah, dude. It's it's, 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 it's Polly, bro. I love Slick though. <laughs> like, I can't even joke around with that. It's definitely Polly.
1: Um, I would say, I, I'd say yeah now Paul Heyman, but like if I guess if you grew up really in the glory years of Heenan. Which some of which were before either of us were alive. Yeah. You know, when you know, the weasel stuff. Uh huh. Uh, I think it, I, you know, he's probably the pinnacle of that era of professional. Uh, yeah. I mean, just, maybe,
0: um, Paul Bear I mean, can also go ahead and be. I mean, obviously, we grew up watching Paul Bear.
1: Um, yeah. that, that was the era of managers. I mean, I, I, it was Jimmy Hart was always great when he yeah. was a heel. Um, uh, you had, uh, the swinger himself, uh, Jim Cornette.
0: Oh yeah, of course you have Jim Cornette. And then, uh, uh, you know, I know that he's not necessarily considered as a manager, but he is by technicality. I mean, Vince McMahon was by technicality, the v- manager of the corporation. Sensational
1: Sherry. One of my favorites. Sensational Sherry. Uh, Teddy uh, Long was around for many, many years, but he yes, started. He in that era in WCW. Yeah. So and and and
0: you know S- stephanie mcmahon was a great manager for triple h as part of the dx express and that whole rick rude rick rude for dx back in the day
1: rick rude for nwo
0: and for the nwo <laughs> yeah i mean the only dude to appear on both shows on the same night because of raw having been recorded earlier that's awesome
1: you know who we didn't mention in the mm. 96 match the million dollar man ted DiBiase. oh it's true their that's manager true. at that point because yes they would just randomly bring people in. <laughs> it's
0: unbelievable. But, okay, so first of all, again, I can't stress this enough how hot the crowd is for this match. They are so behind Sting, but they still love Scott Hall and the NWO. It's very interesting. It's a very interesting dynamic. But at no point are they booing Sting. They're only booing Hall because this was during the times of the internet not fully being um exactly how it's supposed to be yet and people cheering for faces and booing heels exactly how it's supposed to be so the storytelling in this is absolutely top notch you mentioned the fact that scott hall sells so well for sting and sting does his typical no sell stuff like to absolute just a stuff right um and then this match though went Again, you, we we just talked about war games going really short, bro. This match was like nine minutes long.
1: It it's was not over in a flash. Yeah. I, yeah, I love the ending to it, which is him reversing the Outsider's Edge into the Scorpion Death Drop. I like well,
0: the I like the ending, but I don't love it
1: because we, we didn't even get a Scorpion Death Lock, did we? No, we didn't.
0: It was just uh-huh. Scorpion Death Drop. Damn, that's it. So here is yeah. my problem with the ending, though. You know. it, it Sting is the one that's more beat up. He's in the midst of getting the the Outsider's Edge delivered to him, and then he starts to go ahead and wiggle out of it, and he gets off, and then he catches Scott Hall and he puts him in position for the Scorpion Death Lock or a sp- Scorpion Death Drop, excuse me. And Scott Hall doesn't even fight it; he just positions himself, and I'm like,
1: Yeah, he he. Kinda... It's,
0: it's weird. It's like he completely uh, so. I don't want to say no sells it because he sells it, but he just like, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I can't move. It's just really weird. I, I'm not the biggest fan of something like that because if you were the one that just had control previously, you should be able to go ahead and at least try and fight out of it in some way.
1: And yeah, it was yeah. just a
0: missed opportunity in a way. I don't know. Maybe that's just I, me. I, I think the biggest missed
1: work. opportunity is the fact that Scott Hall gets this one chance and he never really gets one again in WCW. And it's back to the same old, same old of Hogan's the leader. And then eventually, when he wasn't the leader, and then they brought, you know, he was always, now I know he was going through some stuff later in the WCW era, but they just, uh, he got paid like he was, he should have been world champion, but they never made him world champion. Well, actually in this look- match, it's so clear that he's so much better suited to carry the belt than Hogan would be because he's going to put on good matches with people. Well, I think that this could have been a perfect way to, you know,
0: really, um, let's see, how do I put this? Really put a huge nail in between the Wolfpack and Hollywood. Because remember later on at Starcade in 1998, who's the one that beats Goldberg for the WCW title? It's Kevin it's Nash. Nash. And then right?
1: of course, And then, of course, the finger
0: poke of doom, like a few weeks later, and then the and then the NWO gets back together, and all of a sudden, we're off to the races in the sense of like everybody hates what's going on in WCW, and it's the downfall. But you could have used Hall to win the title and drive a bigger wedge between the Wolfpack and Hollywood, and you can have Hogan beat hall for the title in a few weeks time and then put over goldberg afterwards like you were going to or you could have just had goldberg beat hall although i don't think that even i, I even though i think hall and goldberg would have been fine him goldberg needed to beat hogan because hogan was the biggest star in the company yes. so like he, that, that had to happen but With, then just have yeah. hall hogan beat hall and you you have a babyface faction of the NWO that people want to cheer for, and the mega heels that is NWO Hollywood, and that wedge gets driven in between them even more so. Now, yeah, who pays the price for yeah. it, Sting. But you were going to have Sting drop the title to
1: Hogan, anyways. And yeah, and the Hogan thing, it's not that he wasn't still a great heel; he was still very effective. But you are you they were running the risk of it becoming stale because it was getting stale like hogan being the leader of these guys that clearly are just a lot better than him why are they still rolling with this dude right yeah no i mean that's a fair
0: point i think that they still had to roll with hogan because he was he you know as big a star as nash and a big a star as like hall was like you mentioned they were getting like they were paying hall like a main eventer but not giving him full full main event treatment but at the end of the day
1: you know whether or not we want to admit it
0: Hogan was the be-all end-all in that
1: company. But but we're now under six months away from the finger poke of doom and ostensibly what is the beginning of the end of WCW.
0: Yeah, sure. Like this is political control running absolutely amok in a terrible, terrible way. Um, And you should have been able to go ahead and take advantage of your main event as best as you could. I mean, Lex Luger beats Hulk Hogan, right, in 1997. How long does he hold the championship for? A week?
1: A week. And it was a great moment. There's yep. them celebrating in the back, popping the champagne. They're wiping the NWO off the belt. Yep. And they give it right back because they literally, Hogan had so much pull. He was lit. I mean, they were calling the shots. And it, at a certain point, it wasn't working. Now, I do want to point out, this card is stacked.
0: you got Bret Hart versus Kurt Henning on here. Yeah.
1: You've got the cage match with Hogan and and Savage. You've got this match. This was a good card. It was. Uh, Unfortunately, as Brett has talked about many times, they just had no clue what they were doing and that's very evident throughout the card.
0: Yeah, it is unfortunate. The way that, you know, again, the way the handling of the NWO breakup between Wolfpack and Hollywood was just so convoluted. Shit didn't make sense. Excuse my language, but
1: it was just weird. And again, it's just the, weird. The wolf pack was over and NWO Hollywood by this point. They're not over anymore. So when he beats Nash Not over in, that in way, the way that they want to be over. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the Wolfpack was cool. They had the rap song. They had all the cool guys. You know, Hogan was still rolling around with the disciple, which is Bruce the Barber Beefcake, who was literally only getting paid because he was friends with Hogan. No disrespect to Bruce bar, but It's not like he was wrestling and winning matches. <laughs> yeah. No, it's
0: it's true. It's really true. Um, let me ask you a question. We've gone through three absolute bangers involving Scott Hall slash Razor Ramon. Um, first of all, what was your favorite moment in regards to this respective match? You know, you talked about, you know, your favorite moments in the ladder match. Uh, we went over, you know, Lex Luger just absolutely going ham on the entire NW on the War Games match. Um, it what what is your favorite moment? Is it the leg like getting caught up on the oh? On the I, ring I ropes thought that or? was
1: great, but I think like this is sort of a cheat, but I will give a moment. It, my greatest moment is watching Scott Hall wrestle for the belt and being put in that spot. True, and more than holding his own with who's probably you know I guess you, is widely considered the greatest WCW superstar ever, Sting. Yeah, but the best moment is when Dusty. Tries to trip Sting uh, when Sting's coming off to, to nail Hall. Goes outside the ropes and Hall cleans his clock with a clothesline. It's a great clothesline. Mm-hmm. And he, he, you know, I, he's not in terms of never hurting people. He wasn't exactly Bret Hart, but he was a good worker, good, safe worker. And considering what we've seen out of WWE lately, uh, it's important to remember that these guys were not only working every frigging day, but they were taking care of each other. Yeah. No, that's now, very true. There were guys it's, that weren't, it, but.
0: No. Yeah. Some people went into business for themselves, which is totally understandable. Uh, not that I condone it whatsoever, but people did go into business for themselves and it's unfortunate. But Hall but could work. Like he could work. Hall could work, dude. Yeah. Sting could work, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, Sting when still think, works. Still works, it, dude. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I don't, uh, you know, for all the crap I'll go ahead and give Sting for doing the no cell with the chair shots and stuff like that. I still see it. I'm like, oh man, Sting's so cool. But then I'm like, God dude, damn it, dude, you're 60. Like, come on, what are you doing?
1: I, all I, I want is every time he no cells and does the chest pound, just zoom in on Shivani's delight. He's got to be in just ecstasy. Like,
0: it's true. It's true. Um, it, this. This match was way too short. This match easily could have gone another five minutes and still been just as good, probably even better. I mean,
1: when we rank them, I know where it's going.
0: Yeah, no, I do too. I have a very strong feeling that you and I are going to be on the exact same page. I want to ask you something though regarding Scott Hall and also regarding some of the names that have been brought up on this podcast tonight because I don't know if you did it on purpose, but if you did, mad props to you. If you didn't, it's all good. It actually makes very big sense for where I'm about to go. You mentioned, we we've mentioned already Scott Hall never won a world title. Um, the name Owen Hart has been brought up tonight, who infamously never won a world title. Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig has also been brought up on this podcast tonight infamously never won a world title i'm gonna look you dead in the eye on camera and i'm gonna make you pick who is the greatest of the three to have not won a world title and i want your unbiased opinion you can't say owen just because he's his he's your favorite wrestler's little brother
1: okay now this is unbiased i'm gonna say owen oh okay. owen the longest career in wwe uh multiple time champion of several different belts, King of the ring winner. It would have made the most sense for him to get the belt. Razor was great. And he had his match with Bret Hart, but after that he was strictly in the, the intercontinental title scene and he was a great intercontinental champion. And unfortunately for Mr. Perfect, he peaked too early. It was the air, his, I recall him fighting Hogan for the title. So he's, in an era where he can only be an intercontinental champion. And then he wasn't healthy for the era when Bret Hart really started to take off and became the champion. So uh, you want to see some great Bret Hart matches with either of those guys, King of the ring. He also wrestled razor to King of the ring, incredible matches. Owen and razor King of the ring. So these guys were all very good, but I think Owen was just, he was relevant the longest in WWE. So it's fair.
0: Okay, I can appreciate your thoughts on that, and I'm glad that you were completely honest and not biased towards the fact that oh well, Owen's Brett's little brother. I have to go Owen
1: because no, it's not. That's not how it works. Okay, now, I love we, Owen Hart.
0: I need you to understand that.
1: Yeah, we all know how it should have went down. Owen, not Bob Backlund, should have <laughs> beat Brett in the submission match by convincing his mom to throw in the towel while he had Brett in the sharpshooter. And then they finish off at WrestleMania, not on some random television show in a match that's eight minutes long, which we covered. And it's actually a really great eight minute match, taking the title off Brett and giving it to Bob Backlund is the height of Vince McMahon being an idiot because what (laughs) happens to Bob Backlund? He loses at a house show in eight seconds to diesel. I mean, Diesel was really over, though. But at a house show?
0: No, yeah, that's disrespectful. That's disrespectful to Backlund. That's disrespectful to Diesel.
1: Yeah, and not that I don't like Bob Backlund, right? Yeah. He, put, he is obviously a great wrestler and a wrestler of his time. It's It was such the wrong call. Today. Oh, yeah. Now, this is, I mean... Th- I'm still fuming over this. How many years on? <laughs> but, uh,
0: uh, like 28 years later, yeah. still mad about it? <laughs> I'm gonna stay i stay totally mad about
1: that forever.
0: I got you. No, no. Well, okay. So you're going, Owen. I think I'll probably agree with you, but I think Scott Hall definitely deserves uh, his moment in the light because I it, I mean- it, it, it's shocking to me. It is shocking that he never won a world title in the two biggest promotions he worked in.
1: Again, and he was a
0: massive star in both. It's,
1: it's transitioning times. He's bigger, right? Yeah. There now, WWE is starting to focus on smaller guys, higher work rates. Even though Razor is a good work rate, and suddenly this guy that's six eight has all the charisma in the world is the mid carder, uh-huh. and Bret Hart, who's very charismatic and a great technical wrestler, but smaller, is at the top of the card.
0: Yeah, but look at WCW. For a second, okay? Like, let me list off the people who won the WCW World Championship. David Rick Flair. What's that? Who's that? What'd you say? David Arquette. Oh my God. Uh, didn't Vince Russo win the WCW Championship at 1.2?
1: Yeah. Well, he, oh he was famous for saying, like, these titles don't matter. They're not worth the metal they're made out of. Or Vince whatever, Russo,
0: but... you are a complete utter nutbag. Yeah. Um, Vince McMahon winning the WWF title at the
1: time made sense. Of course he, he was he was the top heel in the business by that. Yes,
0: point. he was the top heel in pro wrestling period. Vince Russo was not that. Vince Russo wishes he was that. But again, enough Vince Russo talk for the evening. I've already made that point. Sorry about that listeners. But let me run off some of the WCW champions that held that title over Scott Hall. So obviously we mentioned the Hulkster. We mentioned we mentioned Flair, Nash, Goldberg, Luger. The Giant, a.k.a. Big Show, as we all know. Um, who else won the Oh, my God. Jeff Jarrett, right? Um, Sid Vicious. Um, uh, Brett won the WCW title, obviously. Brett, Booker T. Book, well, mm. the, yeah. I mean, I'll mention Booker, but Booker obviously won it like towards the end. But yeah. Ben yeah. won the WCW title. Yep. Yeah. Um, Rick Rude won the WCW title. You know, all these people who are, for the most part, worthy of the titles. It, and I say that just because of Jeff Jarrett. But, um, yes, Jeff Jarrett was the top heel in WCW in the year 2000.
1: Speaking of having too much pull. Yeah. I, oh, remember... I Trust me, I went off on that last week. I was pissed. I was
0: like, you're meaning to tell me that people were okay with WCW pushing jeff jarrett to the moon but people got mad at the reign of terror of triple h even though it's like 10
1: times better so i remember this distinctly because again i was still watching wcw uh-huh. but towards the end it was jeff jarrett versus hulk Hogan and vince russo comes out and does something and then jeff jarrett oh, just, you talk about bash at the beach 2000 yep just Walks out. It's one of the worst situations to ever happen in WCW history. And it's like, what is going? And I guess Russo told him, "You're not wrestling that S O B or whatever." Yeah. Uh, But it is so, so, so blatantly embarrassing and so disrespectful to the fans. Oh, dude, it was ever happened. If you, it was one of those situations that
0: you felt bad for Hulk Hogan. Legitimately, I did.
1: I did because again, like I've been kind of crapping on him here and there, but. Uh, but the way they were framing WCW at that point, he was now sort of an anti hero and over again. So,
0: yeah, I, exactly. Because, like, in that early part of 2000, especially after the reboot, like, he's a mega babyface. Like, he is no longer rocking NWO colors. He's back to the red and yellow. Well, he, NWO and, is and completely uh, dissolved. There was the FU New Blood.
1: Yeah. What's up? And it was FU New Blood, and it was the older guard yep. of WCW. And yep. Uh, He was pretty over, massively over in that moment. So, yeah, you know, and
0: Vince Russo just crapped on that,
1: dude. Yeah, I think that's actually to me in retrospect. I I don't think it's worse than the Montreal screwdriver, but since I remember it just as vividly, like I think it is one of the more embarrassing moments in pro wrestling history.
0: Yes, 100%. And it's, I think Vince Russo was just. Like it was way too big a mountain for him to try and climb. And he tried it and he failed massively. That was way too much ego for him to handle. And he had a too big of an ego of his own. And, you know, I'm sorry, this isn't a WCW 2000 podcast. I apologize. So I'll, I'll, I'll get off the Vince Russo hate train in just a second. But it was just, you know, when you come in there, you have that much ego to deal with. And even though you have all the stroke in the world, just because you don't just because you have the stroke doesn't mean that other people don't have the stroke and Hogan had the stroke. and it was like control over here versus control over there and it was gonna not subside. like it was going to clash and there was not a gosh darn thing you could do about it except try and make what you could out of everything you had and they chose not to. And it blew up in their face. And the guy that looks like an idiot in all of this is Vince Russo because he had the last word and he just was too much of an idiot. That being said, um, back to Scott Hall, he he just easily could have been world champion. If you're going to go ahead and give the title belt to any of the people that I mentioned, I, well, he could have I been those, one of those people. What we just discussed, bad booking. It's just really bad booking. I mean, on, if you were ever going to
1: split up the nwo in a, in a logical way it oh. would have been one of the outsiders getting the big belt and hogan not being able to deal with it
0: exactly exactly especially if you see hall win the title and then you go ahead and see nash beat goldberg at Starcade in 97 or excuse me 98 it's just a perfect way to it, it it's a perfect way to make hogan go crazy and then make the finger poke of doom that much more like, oh, my God, what's happening? Yeah. You know? And well, to be fair, the finger poke of doom should have just not been done. Never. But the yeah. reunion of the NWO would have been that much more, like, surprising because you would have seen Hogan go nuts over Hall, go nuts over Nash, and they still reunite. And you're like, how is this happening? I think it would have been perfect, but whatever. We were bookers back in 1998 and 1997. Were we, T dubs
1: I mean, we certainly could have been, apparently. Well, yeah, it I could don't have been, think my, it's very true. Yeah. My, like, 14-year-old <laughs> mind's ideas would be any worse than what was happening. That's so. a very
0: good point. And I love Eric Bischoff, but damn it. Easy. No. There was some bad stuff there. So let's rank these bad boys here, T-Dubs. I'll let you go first. You know, we've got WrestleMania 10. We've got Fall Brawl 96. We've got Uncensored 98. Three very fun, very different, hot crowd matches um, from back in the early to mid-90s. What are you putting at number three?
1: Number three is clearly Hall versus Sting for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Gotcha. At uh, Uncensored 98.
0: I'll agree with you. Um, As fun as it is to see Scott Hall in his element as a perfect heel, and as fun as it is to see Dusty being Dusty, And Sting being the absolute legend that he is. This match is way too short. This match, unfortunately, gets overshadowed over, um, you know, Hogan and Savage. And they're talking about it on commentary, mind you. Um, And this match could have been much more had they given it the time that it deserved. But still a relatively fun eight and a half minutes um, that you can still enjoy, but deserve better. So where are you going with number two?
1: This is going to surprise
0: you. Oh, my God. You're going the ladder match at two.
1: I've seen that ladder match so many times, and it's not that it doesn't hold up incredibly well, uh-huh. but for the purposes of this podcast, okay, it was the second most fun match for me to revisit.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. That is fair. I'm going to go with the war games match at two even though it's actually the most fun of the three, like by a long shot. But for the purposes of this podcast, and if we're going to remember, if the point of the podcast is to encapsulate what is Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, because he's sharing the ring with like five or, excuse me, with six other people at War Games, he, even though he's shining and he's shining big time, it's not the Scott Hall show. It's the NWO show and Ric Flair and Arn Anderson and Luger and Sting. You know, he's just part of that, but it's never ever about him. Um, but it's awesome regardless. Whereas the latter match, it's him and HBK. And you see the best of Razor Ramon. You see what may, by the way, You know for all those times that we've said and by the way i'm not trying to go ahead and state that because it it wouldn't be if it wasn't for razer ramon we'd have no stone cold steve austin but i think it needs to be mentioned that it it wasn't stone cold that started the anti-hero thing he like he benefited from it and took it to the new level to levels that to this day reverberate all throughout the industry You know, Stone Cold is one of those few guys on WWE's Mount Rushmore that is on other people's pro wrestling Mount Rushmore. You know, that's massive. But without Razor Ramon and his gimmick and how he made that work with the bad guy and then becoming the anti hero that he ended up being, you don't get The Rock and you don't get Austin and you don't get anybody who's been an incredible anti hero over the last 15, 20 years. Um, and that's got to be said, and it's perfect that we see that in on full display in the latter match. And HBK is a perfect foil, you know. He is that sexy, pretty boy who is really deadly, um, so to speak. Uh, it's funny enough. Pretty Deadly is the NXT Tag Team Champions, and they, they they look like old school Shawn Michaels in in a in a really interesting way, um, but. That's what I appreciate about the latter match where it encompasses what is Scott Hall to like the Mth degree. And so that's why I'll go with the latter match at one for me.
1: I mean, that makes sense. It's the better match. Yeah, it
0: is the better match. Yes. Though I had I, to tell him, if you had to ask me
1: what told the better story, it's easily war games. I love that everybody gets uh, like a hot tag moment except for the NWO. They they play it so well. Yeah, And the Ric Flair stuff is great. And and the Luger stuff is great. But the NWO is at the peak of their powers. And since it's like my favorite time in in pro wrestling from my youth, I just loved revisiting it so much. No, I had a great time rewatching
0: these three matches.
1: You get to relive the incredible You Want a War promo at the top of the show.
0: Oh, yeah. Because
1: it's all been building to this. Yeah. By the way, so I
0: want to thank you for bringing up Sting versus Scott Hall because i would never watched that match before. And I'd seen most of the War Games match, but I don't think I'd ever seen it in its full entirety the way that I did. And so I was glad that you presented those matches to me because they are amazing in, in their own right, especially the War Games match. It's really a, a, a really fun. It's so much fun. It's so good. The it's crowd a, it's was so really different. alive, man yeah and it it, it, the crowd again it's so refreshing to see a crowd who's just enjoying and not trying to steal the show because too many times do we see the crowd trying to go ahead and make themselves a star of the show yeah whether it's at wwe or if it's in aew or any of the indie shows they're trying to hijack the shows and Listen, I understand wanting to go ahead and be a part of the show and having fun and having fun chants and having fun with promos. But the point of it is to be able to go ahead and watch the action that's happening in the ring and to appreciate it by actually paying attention to it. So you're booing, you're cheering, and you're chanting is part of that. But... Stupid chance, like, I'll never forget this, and I've given this 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 chance so much grief on this podcast because it deserves it. But one of my all-time favorite women's matches, T-Dubs, is Sasha Banks versus Becky Lynch at NXT TakeOver Unstoppable back when they were both in NXT, right? It's an iconic match. If you haven't watched it, please go watch it. Please go rewatch it because it's one of the greatest women's matches of the last 10 years. But in the match... The crowd at Full Sail is chanting, Sasha's pregnant. No, she's not. Sasha's pregnant. No, she's not. And they're chanting that halfway through the match. And I'm like, the hell kind of a chance is that? Like, what does that have to do with anything? You could just say Sasha sucks. Pretty You should say, let's go Becky. You had all these things laid out to you, but you chose to go with Sasha's pregnant when she clearly not even in the slightest looks pregnant. And I was like, "Why is this a chant?" It was just really no, that's annoying. Terrible. You yeah. know what else?
1: You know what else is great? This is mm-hmm. 1996. The internet is barely a thing. Yeah. Yes, Meltzer writing his report, but nobody knew that it wasn't actually Sting. Yeah. So, I, like, I, as dude, a fan going into off. that, you had no idea what was going to happen. You had no idea that seemingly Sting was going to portray WCW, only to come out save their butts, and then walk out on them for not believing in it. By the way, that's such a Sting thing to do. Yeah. And Jeff Farmer was fake Sting, by the way. And he really didn't do much else.
0: Yeah, I don't think he really needed to. I think he did such a great job of Sting that I
1: think that's his career highlight right there. Also, it sets into motion a chain of events where Sting just dresses up as himself as a fake Sting and then attacks people, which is the greatest Sting.
0: That is... that that, again another And apparently
1: he did that tonight so that's very oh yeah
0: he was i i I did see that because he's in the he's in the he's in the crowd and i think it's isaiah cassidy uh
1: just so good yeah it was yeah it was isaiah
0: cassidy and so they're in the crowd and there's this guy standing behind isaiah cassidy being a fan and he's got a sting mask and he's got a backwards hat and then mark uh, isaiah cassidy's talking a little bit smack and blah 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 and all of a sudden the guy behind him starts taking off his hat and then starts taking off the mask and it's sting and war paint and you're like oh my god it's stung. it's great it's it's truly tremendous um god, long live sting um i do love sting i just want people to understand that if you're gonna love sting you should be able to love goldberg too that's all
1: no, regardless of whether or not no. you want to give crap Sting, to Sting is still a better worker well yes of course he he's is. he's a better worker just... now than goldberg was when he was well t-
0: yeah 30. i mean i understand that but my beef with that t-dubs is they goldberg put over roman goldberg
1: put over drew
0: who has Sting put over? Sting well, has Gold,
1: lost. Goldberg putting people over is actually like not a favor because he forces Vince to do to let him do these matches, and then they're terrible.
0: D- the Drew match wasn't terrible. It was. The it Drew was match, a match was actually pretty good, and I think people, <laughs> it was a thing that happened. <laughs> no, no, you should. I, I actually, you know what, dude? Rewatch that match this week and tell me. Like actually watch it and tell me what you think of it. I'm curious to know because it's really not terrible. Let's, I think it gets a bad. Let's rap just for no be reason.
1: honest. If Goldberg was still flexible enough to do the the back heel kick that ruined Brett's Hart Bret Hart's career, he probably would have ruined several more in this latest okay, run of terrible that's matches.
0: Fair, yes. Goldberg's super kick to Bret Hart was one of those things that I wish I could take back in time.
1: I really do. I it's... mean, he nearly killed the Undertaker. Imagine that. We nearly lost the Undertaker yes gold well, and then to be <laughs> fair taker dropped him
0: right on his head because he yeah. has a receipt so thanks for that taker we do appreciate that because i understand your frustrations in here but this has been a very fun show we have i think done uh i i hope a service to scott hall aka razor ramon one of the all-time greats um i had a wonderful time talking about these matches t-dubs thanks so much for coming on and bringing them up to our uh to my attention, um, I'm glad that you were able to go ahead and share this with me. Um, and uh, T Dubs is going to stick around a little bit. T Dubs is going to be coming in every couple of weeks, helping out my uh, helping me out with uh, TDT. Um, we've got a couple of uh, other guest hosts coming along over the next couple of weeks, of course. But uh, T Dubs, I think we discussed you'll be back for sure for Double or Nothing. Looking forward to that preview and maybe a review show. Um, so we'll we'll go ahead and check on the calendar for that. And then uh, I'll call you and uh, whenever you're available, you'll go ahead and hop on on and uh, you can talk as much wrestling as you want. AEW is doing some great stuff right now. Again, the forbidden door pay-per-view, this is going to be huge for them. It's going to be huge for the industry. Um, I can't wait. And, you know, if they really do Hangman versus punk, that's going to be next level. Yeah. You know? uh,
1: watch these matches. Also watch him wrestle Bret Hart for the belt at, Rumble 93. Yep. And definitely check out that Harlem Heat match at Halloween Havoc 97. Yep. Hall's the man. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. Amen to that. R.I.P. brother.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with every everything you said. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, if you want some more WCW related content when it comes to the double turn go check out our last few episodes that we've done we've talked a lot about wcw 2000 and then also in i believe july of 2020 we did who is mr wcw that was uh, an episode that we did where we discussed what ross and i believe to be the five greatest wcw stars of all time um the outsiders were both on our list as (laughs) Glacier. sergeant Sergeant greg the pitbull wall The it was the wall and tank Abbott. Clearly it was. Um, uh, yeah. But uh, the outsiders was on my list. Um, to me, there is no Scott hall without Kevin Nash and there's no Kevin Nash without Scott hall when it comes to the NW on the outsiders. So those two go together, like, they're, they're inseparable. So when you talk about those two, they always go together. And so that's what I put as my number four, but I would suggest going ahead and taking a look at that episode. We talk a lot about sting. We talk a lot about Booker T. We talk a lot about flair, Hogan, uh, Goldberg, um, and several other people, including Jeff Jarrett, um, who I cannot believe we talked about as much as we did on that episode, but it is what it is. Um, and yeah, just go check that out. I think you guys will be able to enjoy it if you're on that WCW kick like we have been over here on the Double Turn Podcast. Um, next week, um, Wrestling With Respect should be able to be on. So we're going to be talking some women's wrestling. So, uh, not sure exactly what about women's wrestling, but it's always great to have them on and their insight on women's wrestling is great on both the WWE as well as the AEW side. And then i uh, got a couple of more guests lined up and then T-Dubs be back very, very soon as we hype up Double or Nothing in the next few weeks so um please go check out um Wabam entertainment um your home for both hops on box office flops as well as the double Turn podcast um hops and cage rage what uh, what's called match flops cage match yeah. flops and of nick course Luke's it's cage. it is the second time that hops and box office flops does a month all about nick cage which you know you're one of the greatest of act- actors of all time when you're You know, hyped uh, on two different months, but then you also know that you've done a lot of crappy movies if you're hyped up on a bad movie podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But still, Cage is the man. Um, So go check out T-Dubs and Captain Cash and Chumpzilla and Mayor McCheese. Uh, They're all good friends to the show, which is, uh, it's interesting to say that because the other three have never been on this show. None of them like wrestling except For maybe Chumpy, we might have to get Chumpy on the pod.
1: He might be willing to talk about like Superfly Jimmy Snooker for sure.
0: (laughs) Not sure that that's the greatest thing that we should do, but sure, we can maybe Uh,
1: work something out. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, But yeah, so uh, Chumpy, if you do end up listening to this, please, you are more than welcome. McCheese, Cash, you guys just don't like what we do, and that's totally understandable. You know I got love for you guys. But go check out um, T-Dubs over at TLK on Twitter. Uh, or aka crow tinkle the podcasting cat which is the greatest name i've ever seen anybody have um and go check out tdt wrestling pod on twitter as well boss ross tdt on twitter and you can go ahead and check both of us out h um hops and bo flops on instagram and facebook and the double Turn podcast on instagram and the one and only jma 19 on instagram as well anything else before we wrap it up uh no
1: uh yeah, I'm excited to talk some AW double or nothing, and I think probably should talk to Forbidden Door. Oh yeah, as it I gets ask. closer, we absolutely yeah. will. Yeah, it's gonna be a hot summer. Yeah, um,
0: Megan Thee Stallion would go ahead and say hot girl summer for sure. So hot wrestling summer. What does Tom should...
1: Hanks' son say? White boy summer.
0: Oh, is that what is that is that what Colin Hanks says?
1: <laughs> no, that's uh, he has a rapping son named Chet. You're kidding. Oh no, look it up. This is oh, an actual song. All and right. it's not about Hangman versus Punk, so <laughs> I will definitely do that. I will definitely
0: do that. Well, um, the man, the myth, the legend, Scott Hall, as T Dub eloquently said earlier, said, um, "Well, actually, you say the quote because I don't want to butcher it, and then we'll go ahead and end the show." Yeah.
1: Bad times don't last, but bad guys too. Too sweet, uh, me, my good brother it's been an absolute
0: pleasure scott hall you will be forever missed may you rest in peace thank you for all the great memories on behalf of mr tom the thunderous wizard on behalf of boss ross even though he's not with us this evening i have been the j man and you have been listening to the double turn podcast right here and we will catch you guys on the flip side have a great night everybody